Speak in your Bibles, Revelation 21. Revelation 21. I can't believe we're almost done with Revelation. To drag it out another month. <laughs> Revelation 21. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time this morning as we seek Him. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, so much for this special time to be gathered together to be in your presence. What a privilege it is. to be gathered, to be with you this morning, to know that you're here. Thank you so much for your word, for how your word nourishes us, and washes away the filth and the junk of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for how you cherish us and love us. And so we open our hearts to that work that you want to do this morning within each one of us. We've come to seek you, to seek your face. May we know you more. May we understand your ways. And that that would be our boast, that we know and understand you. So have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts. Change us, Lord, we pray. Transform our lives, we ask, for your glory. And it's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. All right, so revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does revelation mean, by the way? Revealing, unveiling, right, uncovering. And so as we've gone through revelation, we have seen Jesus, I believe for, for most of us, myself, um, I'm speaking for myself though, is that I have seen Jesus in a fresh new way. It's been awesome seeing his beauty, his majesty, um, how glorious he is, and that's the intent is that we would know Jesus more as we go through this book together. And I personally don't think that Revelation is that hard to understand. I believe God intends for us to understand this book. And one of the ways that he helps us is, remember in in, uh, Revelation chapter 1, he gives us a divine outline for the entire book. You guys remember that? What verse is that in? Chapter 1, verse... It sounded right. What verse, you guys? Verse 19. We are given a divine outline for the entire book that we might understand how it's going to roll out. So you remember, it was John the Apostle who was on the island of Patmos, right? He was exiled there. There he is on this prison island breaking rocks. He's an elderly man. And all of a sudden, who shows up? Who showed up? (laughs) Jesus showed up in all of his beauty, splendor, shows up, right? And John, what happened to John when he saw him? Give him a high five. What's up, dude? Haven't seen in a while? He fell as dead on his face in, in, the, in the light of his presence and glory. And Jesus said, don't fear. You guys remember? 
I'm the first and the last. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. <laughs> and he touched him. He touched John and, and picked him up. But then he said, it's interesting, in that verse, in verse 19, three things. It's a three-part outline. The first part, Jesus told John to write down the things which you have seen. Number one, so we have to ask ourselves, what did John see? He saw Jesus, right? Chapter one, that's the first part of our outline. Then he said, write down the things which are. That would be chapter two and chapter three. Remember, Jesus gave John seven letters or seven report cards, if you will, to seven literal churches that had existed in John's day. And yet we know, as we've studied, it, it includes every church throughout the church age, including us as well. Because Jesus said that he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural, not just those individual churches that we read about. So the second part of our outline, the things which are, the church age, the churches. And then Jesus said, last part of our outline, part three, write down the things which what? Will take place after this. So what is that? What, are, what chapters is that? Chapter four all the way to chapter, what's the last chapter? 22. Chapter 22. And you guys remember how it broke, remember how we broke it down? Chapter 4 and chapter 5, we get a glimpse of heaven. We see the throne, we see the Lord high and lifted up. And who's around the throne? We are, the bride of Christ. The church is in heaven before the tribulation period happens. How does that happen? The rapture of the church, correct? That's how we get to heaven before the, great, the period of the great tribulation. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Anybody watch the game last night? Did you guys get excited about Altuve going deep? That should make you excited too. Jesus is coming. He's preparing a place for us right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's glorious. He's coming for us. And then chapter 4 and chapter 5, after that comes chapter 6 through 19. It's the period known as the tribulation, the great tribulation, where God will remove wickedness and wicked ones. He's going to fumigate the earth. God will pour out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. He will deal with the Jews as well. He will deal with, with, with the promises that he's made um, to the Jewish people. Um, and then we see there's going to be a great awakening. There's going to be a lot of people that get saved during the tribulation period also. So that happens in chapter 6 through 19. That's in the future. And then in chapter 19, Jesus comes back. Who's with him? We are the church, the saints. We are with them. He comes back and sets up his kingdom on earth for how long? A thousand years, also known as the millennial reign of Christ. That's chapter 20. And then chapter 22, chapter 23, we find the eternal state where we live happily ever after. Isn't that great? We know how it ends? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So now we're going to look at in depth Chapter 21, and the eternal state is marked by or characterized by newness. Aren't you glad that Jesus makes all things new? If any man be in Christ, he is a 
new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Thank you, Lord. So let's check it out. Chapter 21, verse 1. Here's what God's word says. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. Why? For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things, what did your Bible say? All things new. So glorious, isn't it? So John looks. And what does he see? John looks now. This is after the great white throne judgment. We see in chapter 21, he looks, he sees a new heaven and a new earth. Why? What happened to the previous? What happens to the previous heaven and previous earth? Gone. You guys remember last week in chapter 20, it says in verse 11, remember John sees a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. So God just looks at the heaven and the previous heaven and earth and gone. That's amazing, isn't it, to consider? But didn't Jesus say that would happen though? He said it a couple times, didn't he? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will, ne will never pass away because his word is eternal. Amen? Amen? And so, but John now sees a new heaven and a new earth. But look at the end of that verse. There's no more sea. For some of us, that's a bummer, isn't it? No more sea? What? There is going to be water, though. Chapter 22, verse 1 tells us there's going to be a river that flows from the throne. But why no more sea? What, what does a sea do? What is a, think about a sea with me just for a minute. Number one, the sea filters pollution. There's going to be no pollution in the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Also, also, it can be dangerous. The sea can be super dangerous. But also, seas divide people from one another. But we're going to be all brought together, it seems. And, uh, but just to think about this, a new heaven and a new earth. Remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. earth. That word created is, it's interesting, check this out. It's the word in Hebrew, bara. It means to make something out of nothing. David said in the Psalms, create in me a clean heart. In other words, create something in me that does not exist. That's that word. Guess what's going to happen with us? We're going to be standing there with our dad, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth out of nothing, and we're going to be right there by his side. Does that excite anybody else? How awesome is that going to be? 
boom, it just, boom, it just happens. That's glorious. And then verse 2, John sees something else. The new Jerusalem. Jerusalem means the dwelling of peace. So this new Jerusalem now comes down. And how is it described, the new Jerusalem, this new city? Look at how it's described. It comes down from heaven, from the new heaven, from God. And it's described how? As a bride adorned for her husband. Do you remember your wedding day? Dude, you remember your wedding day when she came down the aisle? Wow. Whoa, man. Same way, same way now, too, though, right? That's right. When she gets up in the morning, whoa. Still as beautiful as ever. Awesomely gorgeous. So awesome. And John hears this loud, verse 3, he hears this loud voice. Out of heaven, out of the new heaven. Behold means check it out. Look, the tabernacle of God. So the the holy of holies is the tabernacle. The dwelling place of God is now with men. God brings his home down to here to the new earth. There's no distance, no physical separation. You remember in the Old Testament, all God wanted was a tabernacle. All he wanted was a tent. He just wanted to be with His people from the beginning all the way to the end of the Bible. God just wants to be with us. That we would be with Him. That we would experience that beautiful relationship, that beautiful intimacy. And it says here over and over, He's going to dwell with them. They shall be His people and, and, and God Himself, again, will be with them and be their God. So New Jerusalem will be the headquarters of the, uh, the eternal, of our eternal home, we get to share with God. In the end, we see God's heart is to be with his people, to seek him, to be with him. We get a foretaste of that now, don't we? Don't we get a foretaste of that now? Of walking with the Lord, experiencing his presence as we seek his face. That's what the Lord, that's what the Lord wants us to do, is to seek his face. Lord, your, see, your face that we will see, that we might know you more and understand your ways and walk with you. Isn't it amazing? What a privilege it is that we get to know him because of Jesus, because of what the Lord has done for us. Well, look at verse 4 with me. What's the first thing God does when he comes down here? What's he going to do? What does it say? He's going to wipe. What does God's finger feel like? It says God will wipe away every tear. Can you imagine what that must feel like? I mean, remember, I mean, maybe as kids, you remember your, your mom or your dad wiping away your tears? How did you feel when you feel that consolation, that comfort? There's going to be no barriers to our intimacy, nothing, nothing in between us. The full experience of, of, of God Almighty. Notice also, there should be no more death. Death affects every one of us, doesn't it? Dying. There's people in our church that are dying of cancer that that are struggling with their health. There's going to be no more dying, no more death, no more sorrow. How much sorrow do we experience? You guys, how much grieving do we experience here on planet Earth, on fallen planet Earth? So much sorrow. Not only tears externally, but sometimes we cry internally too, don't we? Where Where no one else can see but the Lord. And listen, even now He brings comfort to our hearts. Even now he brings peace to our souls. Only he can do that. That's why it's so beautiful for us as Christians. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That he is our help and he is our hope. 
in our, in our time of distress, in our time of need. But one day there's going to be none of it whatsoever. Notice also, no crying, no weeping, and there shall be no more pain. Wow. Think about how much pain. Think about, I mean, think about that. How much of our lives are characterized by pain? Right? Physical pain, emotional, mental pain, scars from our past, scars from the present. People bring pain into our lives, don't they? Situations bring pain into our lives, correct? There's things that bring pain into our lives. One day, it's going to be life forever pain-free. Hallelujah. Thank you. All of those things introduced into the human condition, into the human experience because of sin will be gone. It's going to be glorious. I mean, think about some of the physical... I don't know about you guys, but some, you ever wake up just with weird pains? <laughs> this week I had a pain in my elbow. I'm going, I don't know, did I get bit by a spider? Or, you know, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it's gone. This is weird, man. Anyway. Our lives will be so changed forever by the absence of these things. Glorified bodies, perfect bodies that never age. Never grumpy. I heard someone said, I heard someone said, I used to wake up grumpy, now I let her sleep in. That wasn't from over here, was it? I just heard that. I didn't say that. I just heard that. It may have came from this direction, right over here. I don't know. Anyway, next next verse, verse five. Let's keep moving. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. If you need help with the interpretation, I'll share with you outside after. But notice verse 5, God speaks. And he says, check it out. I make all things, what? New. New. The Lord makes everything brand new, unprecedented. Isn't God so creative? I mean, all you got to do is look around the room at us. But look at creation. And, and, And creation has fallen, tainted by sin, jacked up by sin, and God is so creative, so glorious, the things he's created. And now it says he makes all things, what? New. New. Literally, check this out. Literally, in the Greek, it says, the literal tense is, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. That's interesting, because don't you like new things? Don't we like new things? Don't be lying in church, you guys. (laughs) We like new things, new shoes, right? New, new car, new car smell. I haven't had a new car, I can't remember when, so I, don't, I forgot what it smells like, but new stuff. Don't we like new stuff? Problem is with new stuff, what happens to it? It gets old, it doesn't stay new, does it? But here in the eternal state, God says, I'm making all things new. He's making them new. Nothing wears out. The word also means unprecedented new. And so he says here, write down these things, for these things are what? True and faithful. This is not fake news. This is absolutely reliable, genuine, error-free, trustworthy, dependable. What the Lord is saying here, we can bank on it, you guys that this is going to be our experience with him for all eternity. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of him. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. 
all that we have, all that we are, all that we're gonna, all that we're going to have, is because of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done for us. Amen. And so, these things. And He said to me, verse six. I'm sorry, verse five. He said to me, look at this. Right, for these words are true and faithful. And He said to me, it is done. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, check this out, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so what does God say to John here? He says, it is finished. And then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What, what in the world does that mean? Alpha, that's the first letter of the... Greek alphabet, and omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So what is he saying? What is the Lord saying? He's life's A to Z. Amen. Life begins with him. Doesn't life begin with him? Life begins with him, and he brings life to a close. Our lives are in his hands, and our times are in his hands, the psalmist said. Well, pastor, I'm good with that. He's the A and he's the Z, but what about elemental P? What about, what about right now? Listen, underneath are his everlasting arms. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. That he's with you no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And you are with me. We are never alone. He walks through us with through L-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S and all the rest of the alphabet in the Greek alphabet. He's also the beginning and the end. He started history, and he's going to bring it to a close. And guess what, you guys? We know exactly how it ends, how it finishes out. He sees the beginning to the end, too. Did you know that? You guys ever watch a parade? Anybody watch a parade ever? Like like live parade? I remember when I was a kid going to the Rose Bowl parade. We'd freeze. We'd have to get there early to get the good seats, and we're, we're freezing, and... And you only get to see just the part that goes by, right? But if you're in a balloon or a blimp, good, good your blimp, is that what it is? You can see the whole thing, the whole parade. Listen, God sees your whole parade this morning. He sees your whole life. We just see right here what's going on. But he is the author and the finisher of your faith. We are to keep our eyes on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, the beginning and the end. And not just that, Philippians 1, 6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is the beginning and the end. Is anybody thankful for that? <laughs> Grateful for that? This is glorious. He's reminding us here that. And he also says, I will give, the Lord will give, of the fountain of the water of life. Have we heard about this, this water of, of, uh, of, of life anywhere else? We have, haven't we? Where else do we hear about this water of life that's offered freely? John chapter 
4. John chapter 4, Jesus, remember what Jesus does? He goes out of his way to reach this one woman at a well. You guys remember that story? A Samaritan woman? Jesus crosses racial lines, right? There was a racial tension between the people. They hated one another. And what does Jesus do? Giving us the ultimate example and model that we should follow. There should be no barriers. We cross any barriers to reach anyone to see them rescued. Didn't we talk about this last week? Rescued people rescue people. No matter what flavor, no matter what race, tribe, color, whatever. We've talked about this before. Racism is not just a skin issue. It's a sin issue. There's no, there is no place for that in our hearts as children of God. Jesus gives us the example. He goes right over and meets with this woman and offers her living water. You guys remember that? He, said, he promises her, you'll never thirst again. Because what you've, been, what you've been trying to bring into your life to fill the emptiness, it'll never, it'll never quench your thirst. And some of us know that experience. Before we came to know Jesus personally, we tried to quench the thirst in our hearts with everything under the sun, whether, whether it was popularity, money, business, school, degrees, whatever. You try to fill that emptiness, and all that happens is you keep thirsting more and more and more until you realize there's only one that can satisfy the thirst in my heart, and that's Jesus Christ. And he said that to her, but before he could give her the living water, you remember what had to be dealt with first? The sin issue had to be dealt with first. Before Jesus could give the living water, he addressed her and said, he addressed the issue. She was trying to to satisfy the thirst in her heart with what? With men, with with sexual relationships. And he said, you you drink of that water, you're going to thirst again. Because you're not created for sexual immorality. You're created for one person. And that's, a, that's the marriage conference we're doing. So you can come on over to that. It's like, that's a different Bible study. God said to ancient Israel, Jeremiah 2, that they had forsaken him, the fountain of living waters. But when you come to him, he satisfies, doesn't he? Doesn't that living water just, isn't it so beautiful? It washes away our sins. Is anybody grateful for that? The living water that washes away our sins, our sins and our lawless deeds, he will remember no more. How good of a water is that? It satisfies, it quenches, it washes us clean and continues to wash us as well as we fellowship with the Lord and get into and put ourselves under the word of God. How glorious. What a salvation. What a salvation. So simple. You come to him, anyone who thirsts, you take it freely, undeservedly. He offers this living water. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord personally, He's offering it to you freely. You you can't earn it. You can't work for it. A church membership won't get it for you. You freely freely come and you freely receive from Jesus Christ. Amen? Awesome. Look at the next verse. Verse 7. He who overcomes. How do we overcome? Remember what it says in 1 John 5? By simply trusting, not trying. We, by trusting in Jesus Christ, we become overcomers. Lots of promises to the overcomer. What shall we, what, what are we going to inherit? How much are we going to inherit, you guys? Is that amazing? If you inherit something, do you work for it? Do you earn it? Do you deserve it? 
My kids are going to inherit my surfboards. That's about it. <laughs> I got some killer boards. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was talking to someone before service. That the most important thing they're going to inherit is a love for Jesus Christ. Yes. But look what it says here. For us, as his children, we will inherit all things. In the Greek, you know what that means? All? All means all, and that's all that all means. And it's, and it's like we spend our life. So what do we spend our life on? Everything. So many, so many things, don't we? We spend our time, our talents, our treasures. We hold on to things, don't we? We live for temporary things. We live, for every, we live for everything between the, the womb and the tomb, the cradle and the grave. We live for stuff, lesser things. When God says, you know what? I, I have in store for you all things. Why don't you seek me? Seek my kingdom and my righteousness and watch what I'll do in your life. Stop seeking lesser things. All things are coming to you. Don't worry about the things. Don't worry about the stuff. And the best thing of all, it's the, our Creator. I will be His God, and He shall be my Son. We get to be with Him, with our Lord, forever and ever. Who's not going to take part in any of this? Look at verse 8. Who will not be partaking in the newness and glory of eternity with God? This is heavy, man. It's a good heavy. We need to hear this, especially in a day and age we live in, when everybody says they're a Christian. And yet their lives don't back it up. Are people that say, oh yeah, I'm a follower of the Lord. And yet the fruit of their life is the works of the flesh. Because look what it says here with me. Check it out. The cowardly. Isn't that interesting? The cowardly. Those that are, here's, the, here's, here's how to define that. The fearful or driven by fear. Choosing self and safety over Jesus. In other words, you live a life of total self-preservation. In fact, here's how Jesus put it. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. You seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But Jesus said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's how we find life. That's how we find eternal life. Number two, look at the second person. The unbelieving. The person that, that they choose and refuse to believe in Jesus Christ, to trust in him. No faith in him. They believe not, literally. Abom What's abominable mean? Dirty, it, foul, polluted. A, a dirty life, that's what it's talking about. When God looks down and that person is involved in, in habitual, unrepentant sin, it says, it, it's, abomination means it stinks, it reeks. That's the idea, a life that just stinks. Next is what? What's the next? Murderers. Pretty self-explanatory. Those that take others' lives, killers. Sexually immoral or fornicators. What is a fornicator or sexually immoral? It is those who have sexual relations, sexual intimacy, outside of the marriage bed as prescribed by God in his word. A genetic male husband and a genetic female wife that are married together. Sex outside of that. It means premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual sex, any sex outside of the marriage bed as ordained by God. If you're involved in that, you're involved with being sexually immoral. Sorcerers. What are sorcerers? 
Witchcraft, yeah, for sure. Sorcery, the occult, all of that junk. But not just that, the word in Greek is pharmakia, in which we get the word pharmacy or drugs. So this also involves people that are taking drugs, getting high all the time, escaping reality. You are a sorcerer. And that, and that it's linked together. It's a gateway just for more and more darkness and wickedness. And if you're involved in that, you're, you're named right here. You spend your life on this, on doing drugs or idolatry. Those who worship and serve anything other than Jesus. Those who worship and serve created things other than the Creator. All liars, those who don't tell the truth, deceivers, where will they end up? Where does it say? What does the book say? In the lake of fire. For all eternity. Which we, and we learned about the second death last week. You die once physically, and then during the great white throne judgment, you will be raised, you'll be resurrected to stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and you'll be sentenced to the lake of fire, sentenced and sent to the lake of fire. God's, well, God's not sending you, you've chosen to go there. You've chosen to reject the living water, you've chosen to reject Jesus Christ, and even though there's a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, the lake of fire continues on and on and on forever and ever. Listen, if these things characterize your life this morning, um, you practice these things, I'm sharing this with you because I love you, you are in great danger. You're in great danger. And this morning you need to repent and trust in Jesus Christ. Because there will be some that will stand before him. Jesus said it himself. It's one of the most frightening, sobering verses or sections of scripture that you could ever read. Where Jesus says, there will be some that come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not go to church? We went to Calvary Chapel. Listen, Calvary Chapel will not save you. A church did not die for you on the cross. First Baptist, Second Baptist, 38th Baptist will not save you. None of those churches gave their life for you. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And Jesus says there will be some on that day that come to him and he's going to say to, that, say to those people, depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, you demonstrated you didn't know me by the way that you lived your life. <clears throat> listen, it is impossible this morning. Listen, it is impossible for us to surrender our lives to Jesus and God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit come and take residence and there be no change in our lives. It's impossible. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There will be change. For some of us, it's slower, isn't it? It's like 290 going on. You know? Some of us, like, like bing, 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 bang, boom, boom. You give your life to the Lord, and he's nailing out all this stuff. But then the longer you walk with him, what happens? He starts dealing with your attitudes, your reactions, the thoughts and intents of your heart. Amen. It, listen, in your life, if there hasn't been a change, then there hasn't been a change. And if there hasn't been a change, then there hasn't been a change. Not hard. If, this is the, if these things characterize your life, you're practicing these things, I beg you, you need to repent this morning. 
I, I trust that the Holy Spirit is working in your life because we're going to all have to stand before the Lord one day and either we will face him as Savior or as Judge. And we want to face him as Savior to be embraced by him. And so you've heard the truth. You've heard the truth from someone that loves you and prays for you and has been praying for you. You need to open your heart to Jesus today to receive the living water. Let him wash you. Let him cleanse you. Let him make, let him make you new. It's glorious. And so let's keep rolling. Let's finish it out. Verse 9, what happens? So we're going to learn about the new Jerusalem as we finish here. We got time? Oh, yeah, we do. We got a couple hours. Don't it, it. <laughs> Astros are Astros won. They're not playing today. We can chill, right? Verse 9, check it out. Then one of the seven angels, this guy's gonna be this angel's gonna kind of be like tour guide angel. Just watch what he does. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride. The Lamb's wife. And so he's speaking of here, it seems to be in context, the new Jerusalem. And notice what happens in verse 10. And he, this angel, carried me away. How? In the Spirit. So there's a supernatural transportation going on. He carried me away in the Spirit. Where? To a great and high mountain. And showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. So check this out. So tour guide angel takes John up a high mountain, and what? He gets to check out the new Jerusalem coming down. We read earlier, adorned how? As, as what? Bride, right? Prepared for her groom. So this amazing holy city coming down. And what does it say? Having the glory of God's glorious her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone. Some believe that's a diamond, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates. So around the city, there's a great high wall, 12 gates, and the 12 angels at the gates. Those angels at each one of the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So each gate has a name of the 12 tribes. And notice the configuration here. What does it say? Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And so the gate, the, the arrangement, the setup is given for us. Now the wall of the city, so this amazing giant wall, had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the... Yeah. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. So Jesus' 12 apostles, their names are written in here, the foundations, uh, foundation uh, gates of, these, uh, of the wall. And then it says, And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. Who was talking to John again? Thank you, tour guide angel, someone just said. The, angels, the angel has a golden reed. A reed was used for measurement in ancient times. It was nine feet. This is a gold reed. And this angel's holding it. And he's getting ready to measure everything out for us. Look what it says. Verse 16. We get some, we get some uh, dimensions here. 
The city is laid out, how? As a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. And so we're getting the measurements here. This thing, so you got to picture this. It's like a giant cube, okay? A giant cube, and it says how long each side was. It's 12,000 furlongs equals 1,500 miles per side. So let me just kind of bring that into perspective. This would, this would cover, this cube would cover three quarters of the United States. From Canada down to the Gulf of Mexico, it would go from uh, Dallas all the way to Philly, and then 1,500 miles up also, because it's a cube, it's approximately the size of the moon. That's pretty big, isn't it? Big city. New Jerusalem, big city. Bigger than the old Jerusalem, correct? <laughs> Look at verse 17. It says, Then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. You kind of read that and go, what? Apparently, men and angel have the same measurements. So, so think about this with me. How long is... How, how long is a cubit? How long is a cubit? Just remember, how? <laughs> how long is a cubit? Elbow to the top of your middle finger. Eight, approximately 18 inches. That's a cubit. Or you can just, you can just kind of flip like a couple pages and you have like a little index of measurements and goodies on the end there. It, approximately it's 216 feet thick, this wall. And notice verse 18, the construction of the wall. Verse 18 says, The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold. Wow, the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with what? With all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And if you say those names real fast, it sounds like you know what you're doing. Beautiful stones, you guys. Amazing, glorious stones here. And then notice the next verse. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. That's where we get the pearly gates right here. Each individual gate was of one pearl. That's got to be a huge pearl. And the street of the city, what do they use for asphalt? Pure gold, like transparent glass. Total clarity, clear walls, nothing to hide. This is glorious, isn't it? The new Jerusalem. It's interesting, though. Tour guide angel took him up on a high mountain and showed him. This eternal city, the eternal glory. You remember, remember someone else got took up a high mountain? Remember when Jesus did? The devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time, the glory of them. Remember the offer he gave him? Bow down and worship me. You can have all this right now, right here, right now. You know, the enemy does this... Pulls that same thing in our lives too. 
You don't need to do it God's way. You can have this right here, right now. But the problem is sin is pleasurable for a season. Oh, it looks great up front. It feels right. But then on the flip side, in the back end, you get bit big time. What was, what, was the, what was the temptation? You don't need to go the way of the cross. You can have it all right now. You can have all the glory, all the splendor, all of that. You don't need to, go, you don't need to do the Father's will. You can, you can do it your own way. He's a tightwad. Do it my way. But the thing is, guess what? That's temporary. This is temporary. The kingdoms and the glory of this world, it's, it's all going to burn. Because Jesus had his eyes on eternity, on the Father, doing the Father's will. You shall worship the Lord your God only, and him shall you serve. Because we are eternal, you guys. We are eternal. We are going to live forever. Hopefully every one of us here with him, that we get to experience that this is in our future. Don't take a shortcut. That shortcut is still out there today. To not do it God's way. To do it your way. And it all, it'll always end up biting you in the end. It's worth it to live for eternity. Paul said the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. As we look unto the Lord, as we keep our eyes upon him. Let's finish it up. Verse 22. It says, but I saw no temple in it. No physical building for worship and gathering. Why? For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The Father and the Son are themselves the place of gathering and worship. Isn't that beautiful? No need for the temple. We've got the Father and the Son. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. Why? For the glory of God illuminated it. So no sunshine, no moonshine. God's glory and the Lamb is its light. Who's the Lamb? Jesus Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? He is truly the light of the world. He's going to light the place up. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. We're going to be cruising around in the light of God's glory, the light of the Lord. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, no darkness. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. So all these people that are saved, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be coming into the new Jerusalem, bringing the glory, the honor, the praise to our King, to our Lord. It's going to be glorious. No need for gates. There's going to be no criminal activities going on. Because look what it says, last verse, because time is up. Perfect timing. Thank you, Lord. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Notice that. Who's not going to be able to go there? Anything or anyone that pollutes, perverts, or deceives will never find their way into New Jerusalem. But who's going to be there? We are. 
What's the, who's the lamb again? Jesus. Jesus. He has a book of life, right? That's, that's the most important book to be written in. Just have your name written in that book. And Jesus said to do what? To rejoice that your names are written in heaven. For those of us who know him, may we rejoice. Not just about the great game last night. But what's even, that's temporal. What's even greater is that you're going to live eternally with the Lord because of what Jesus did for us. Of his fullness we've all received. Thank you so much, Jesus, in your name. Lord.